what's going on all my podcast members, whether you're from Spotify or Anchor or you're just on a web browser somewhere from another country, whether you're on Google Podcast or Apple Podcast, see Jizzle and the fucking Whistle. Uh, bring you another episode. It is 1.45 in the morning on August 26th. I am off for today, as soon as I wake up. Um, and it's been a long week, it's been a long day, uh, it's been a long year. Well, it doesn't seem like it's been a long year, it's been going pretty fast until now. But now time is kind of dragging on. But, with all this shit going on right now, with Afghanistan and whatnot, it's really kind of dragging even more. And if we didn't have to worry about China and Russia and the corona pandemic and shit still... As if that wasn't enough, we got to worry about the Taliban. And again, I think the only option going into this is to send them a message. And the only way you're going to do that is by writing them a letter, sending them a video, uh, and telling them you got 48 hours to evacuate. Uh, 100 miles away from here. If we find you anywhere within 100 miles, we're going to use force and we're going to end up killing you. So, just get out while you can. We're not asking you, we're telling you. You know, you're not in control yet until we get the fuck out of here. So, and it's really simple. You fly a whole bunch of helicopters around. Apache helicopters and whatnot, attack helicopters, all of the ones that we have, put them in the air. Send all the fucking planes over there, like the AC-130 gunships, put them all over there. Even the retired ones, like Spooky, yeah, take them out of retirement and send them over there. And any convoy that you find, whether it's armored uh, vehicles that they got from the United States or ones that they used to have, uh, that they still have, uh, sorry about that, but any vehicles that they have, those gunships can definitely take them out, I mean, they can take out tanks, and everything in between, those AC-130 gunships have, uh, I think they're 30 millimeter sable rounds and a sable round is a round that burns so hot that it melts tank armor so talking like over 2,000 degrees well well over 2,000 degrees so anyways yeah and they said they got out 20,000 more people within this past week. Or maybe it was within yesterday, I do believe. Uh, The problem with that is all the people that are inside the city still that can't make their way to the airport. You know, the airport's blocked off by the Taliban. And an American coming out of the city and walking straight up to the airport where the Taliban is sitting is like a fucking death sentence. 
first of all, you're an American, you're a Christian, you're a, a reporter, or whatever, you're gonna fucking die. So, there are some people that are being airlifted out by helicopter and shit, and secret dis disclosed locations that they just tell them, you know, over a text message or whatever real quick, meet, meet us at this point. And, I don't know, it's just so uncoordinated. So uncoordinated. You got people that are fucking still stuck behind enemy lines. You got people that are sitting in Washington that are like, oh, well, we've tried everything that we that we could. When they really haven't. It's, it's really a disgrace to what America fought for. But it's also a disgrace to the American people that are still trapped behind enemy lines. Uh, first of all, I would never go to Afghanistan. It's just somewhere I would never go. Um, but if I did, I wouldn't expect to just be abandoned by the same government that's been protecting me for the past 20 years. I mean, they just pulled out everything. They pulled out all the troops, left all the weapons, and left all those people that were there vulnerable. Not just the people that helped, like the spies and the fucking diplomats and whatnot, but all their families and, and children and, and whatnot. And it's just fucking crazy. It's just nuts. <sighs> We got people in the United States government saying, well, we, we're doing all that we can do. That's a lie. That's an absolute lie. We're not doing all that we can do because, like I said, if we wanted to do all that we can do, we would send 15,000 troops over, parachute them out, and they would cover the air base, the airport, and take it back over set up a fucking fortification around the airbase with UK troops from Britain and we've got a joint task force that's going to make sure that this actually gets dealt with over the next couple weeks Taliban can make their threats and if they come in and, and make their threats we're going to have helicopters in the air that are going to be able to deal with them you know I mean I don't I think I'm the only one that's really sitting here using my brain that's what it feels like. It doesn't take a degree to figure out or years of combat experience to figure out what the best option we have. But the longer we sit around and allow the Taliban to go door to door and kill innocent people, you know, that's a whole different story. There's Americans that are, you know, still in there. And the best time to drop in and to raid the airport is at nighttime because everybody gets tired of standing there all day. They end up going back home and they go to sleep. And when they come back the next day, they come back early in the morning to try to get an early spot. But hmm, that is crazy. I mean gotta imagine just living there being an American and trying to get the fuck out and you can't 
Man. I think if I couldn't get a flight out, if it was just so deadly to get a flight out, I would hire somebody to drive me out of there. Hey, you know, here's 2,000 American dollars. Drive me as far as you fucking can across all these different countries to Europe. And whenever I get to Europe, I'll just claim asylum there. I mean, something. I mean, you're just sitting there just waiting for the Taliban to come along and it's like a death sentence. If you're a Christian and you're not a Muslim, if, if, if you're an American and you're not a Muslim, if you're a woman or anybody who sticks up for any rights, uh, or anybody who sticks up for the Afghan government, you're going to be killed. Like, that's how serious it is. And they keep saying things like, well, it's all part of Sharia law. It's all part of the Islamic law. And we're going to enforce it that way, right? Well, at first they wanted to say, well, we want to have a mixture of the Afghan government with the Taliban. We want to form a completely different new government, right? People were actually on board for that. Some countries were like, okay, you guys can uh, form a joint government. We're kind of on board for that, I guess. But then the, the script flipped and they said, well, fuck you guys. We don't need you. We're just going to take over. There is no Afghan uh, Taliban government. So those people fled to the Panjshir Valley. Uh I think that's how you pronounce it, but uh, ex-vice president, uh, the Department of Defense minister and whatnot, anybody who was part of the Afghan government who had fought the Taliban's and the Soviets in the 90s, they fled. They got the fuck out of there. And it's probably good that they did because they would either be executed or held... Uh, hostage or prisoner, or they would just ignore any deals that they wanted to make, and they'd say, well, you're just not in control anymore, so I've been hearing a lot lately that there's a rebel force that's building, they're training the people, they're getting a bunch of arms to them, and I think that the United States needs to give them some some assistance with more arms and shit because now the Taliban has all the arms that we left there before. So if it wants to be an equal fight, we can't have the Taliban running around on the mountain tops with night vision and have exposed Afghan leaders and shit on the ground with no night vision. I mean, that's just stupid. So I believe that we need to arm the, uh, the rebels that are going to take over and fight the uh, Taliban. We, we did the same thing in Iraq to fight ISIS. We trained and gave factions certain guns and whatnot and gave them the means to actually kill them off. So, 
I don't know. I really don't know. It's really <clears throat> a game of Russian roulette right now. I think if America has to go back and fight a war, we will. And I'm ready for it. I, um, I really wish that I could have fought in Afghanistan and Iraq, but maybe, hopefully, we go to a major war and I can get drafted. <laughs> they wouldn't take me because I had a GED, so I didn't have a high school diploma, I had a GED, so is pretty fucking stupid but considering I took the test and I auto qualified for nuclear weapons so obviously I'm smart but just because a piece of paper says I don't have a diploma yeah anywho I feel like China wants to exploit the Taliban because, first of all, they know they're, they're weak. I mean, they weren't really a match for the United States. Um, and a full-on invasion, invasion of China would just be stupid on their part. So, the Chinese think that the Taliban are weak. And they're beleaguered from fighting this 20-year war with the Americans. And... They think this is the perfect time to move in to make some money. So China is wanting to get them into the belts and road initiative and whatnot and trying to make deals with them and trying to come over and check out all the Black Hawk helicopters that were left over there. And of course they're going to tell them, well, we're going to teach you guys how to fly these. Since you don't know anything about them, we're going to tell you everything that you need to know about them. And I feel like the Chinese and the Russians are going to steal those helicopters right out from underneath their nose. In a trade deal that they're too stupid to read the fine print. So, we'll see. And there's nothing that the Taliban are going to do about it if China comes and takes those helicopters. I'll tell you that. The Taliban's not going to go fight China. Like I said, we'll have to see. Kind of a toss-up. <laughs> it would be pretty crazy to see Taliban fighters over there, like, doing terroristic shit over in China. Blowing up skyscrapers and shit. That'd be pretty crazy. <laughs> As if China doesn't have enough to deal with. All the flooding and everything going on, and the corona bullshit that's still going on. That's the part that kind of makes me wonder about the United States. About where we're going to be in the next 5-10 years. Because China still, all the videos that I watch, China is still having lockdown. So obviously they know something that we don't know. Like maybe... That this uh, virus isn't going anywhere anytime soon? I don't know. But. 
when the Chinese made this, when the Chinese made this um, virus, they had plenty of time to study it, to find out what makes it thrive, what kills it off, um, what genes make it more suitable and adaptable to survive in the environment, and so on and so forth. They've literally had enough time to make this a deadly weapon that can go on for years and years and years. And I think it was aimed towards American people. But it just got out. It got to the Chinese people, the American people. It got out all over the globe, eventually. But it wasn't made to be released in the homeland of China, in my opinion. You know, I think China wanted to release it in other countries and then block foreigners from coming into China. That way all the other countries died off from it, but China would have been just a-okay. I believe that's, that's true, but it just couldn't be contained. So, it is what it is, though. It's going to be what it's going to be. I think we've done ourselves a real injustice by not looking ahead. Oh, sorry about that. That was a notification I got. <laughs> but I think we've done ourselves a real injustice of not looking ahead and uh, not looking about what could happen and how we need to prepare for it. So, anywho. Anywho, <laughs> time to smoke some more weed. Man, it's been such a long day. Mm. That weed tastes pretty good. Pretty damn good. Anyways. I've been really thinking about getting into growing weed and stuff here lately, right? Got a friend or two that's doing it. I've been thinking about doing it for a while, even before it was legalized here. And, um, so, I had this guy that come into the gas station, and he used to, sometimes here and there, he used to deal weed to me, uh, up at the gas station, you know, whenever I didn't have any other connects, he had a little bit of a higher price, but it's usually really good weed, and he'd come and deliver it to me, and it's one of the only connects that I had, so, anyways, I haven't fucked with him in a while, haven't messed with him, but I've seen him from time to time, he comes in there and buys cigarettes, and kind of makes small talk, and I've never done him wrong, he's never done me wrong, but we just kind of fell off from, uh, from fucking with each other, you know. Anyways, he'd come in there earlier today making small talk to me about his growth system and stuff that he's been doing here lately. And he's, it, you'd just be so surprised about how much information you can find out about growing weed. And how uh, complex it really is.
it's really crazy. Like, he sent me a list of different things that I needed to buy, right? And, long story short, um, he told me to get into auto flowering strains because they only take three months to harvest instead of, instead of six months or more. And he tells me that the pH level needs to be of the soil needs to be about 6.0 to 6.5. Uh, and there's a certain store where you can buy worm castings to add into your compost and five tablespoons of unsulfured molasses in a five gallon bucket and there's just so much shit uh, three cups of kelp half a cup of hummus uh, you got one and a half cups of gypsum for example uh, and 16 cups of biochar three cups of biolive you know and and the list goes on and on he gave me this whole ingredient list to start my own live soil and live soil is basically all this shit uh, with the compost that it's actually live soil you know it's not it's a lot healthier for your plants it's got a lot more nutrients in it it lasts you a lot longer uh, you can reuse it numerous times and still have plenty of nutrients uh, and again when you uh, start out it's going to be a lot of money but it's going to save you a lot of money as well so anyways I'm looking at some of the shit that he's got on this list and there's this uh, LED light system that's on Amazon that he was showing me and he's like yeah you need this one right here it was $800 I said dude are you fucking kidding me right now $800 just for the lights alone? Like, what are you doing? You know, like, is it really worth it? He's like, well, you can get a, you can get away with doing a little less, you know, of this and a little less of that. But, I don't know. Like, I can find a better LED system probably that'll work just fine. I'm not trying to grow huge plants. I'm not trying to grow a massive amount either. So, that's another thing. You don't really need all that much when it comes to growing just for yourself. But, I mean, it's not going to be cheap, I'll tell you that. But it's always something that I've wanted to do, and I've got a really good green thumb. I've actually done the whole uh, arrow garden system thing in the past. And uh, it's basically a hydroponic system that grows tomatoes or basil and different shit. It's on a timer, and you just put in the water and dropping the nutrients and the lights come on at a certain time and everything's automated but 
You can only you can only grow shit so big before you need to take them out and transplant them into pots. So it's good, but I don't know if it's that good. <laughs> Pretty much. I haven't had it running in so long that, you know, thinking back now, looking back now, it probably would be a good little investment to have it running right now. If I was going to stay in this apartment longer, I probably would do that, but the only thing I needed to do was clean out the basin, get some new lights for it, and get some nutrients that are fresh. So, another good thing about that, when you have a hydroponic system that's indoors, is you can grow tomatoes year-round. You can grow anything year-round. I mean, basil, cilantro, even in the wintertime. You just snip some of it off and it regrows. You know, it's perfect. Um, yeah, I don't know why I didn't start growing more shit. I don't even know if I've got that uh, hydroponic system anymore. I think I took it over to my mother's house whenever I moved in with her. I know I didn't just throw it away. I didn't just leave it at my apartment whenever I moved out either, so. I don't know where that fucking thing is, but it's worth about a couple hundred bucks. At least. Like, two, three hundred bucks. So even if I wanted to start doing that again, it wouldn't take anything for me to buy another one that's newer. For the same price. I could probably get on Arrow Garden right now and find a really good one for pretty cheap. So, uh, but the growing technique that this guy is suggesting to me is a more bigger scale thing. You need somewhere to put it a garage, a bedroom, something. And where I live right now would be a perfect place to start a grow like that if my landlord wasn't so nosy for one and for two if I didn't have a bat problem here and my lease is going to be up in the next two or three months so I'd like to find a place really soon it's getting down to the nitty gritty and even if he wanted me, even if I asked him if I could renew the lease, I don't think I would. So, I don't know. I mean, I have to go to sleep at night worrying about a fucking bat getting in. 
possibly biting me or, you know, scratching me or shitting on my floors or whatever when it's flying around or shitting on me whenever I'm sleeping, whenever it's flying around. I would shit my fucking pants if I woke up and that bat was in the same room with me. Luckily, every time that I've came in contact with it, I've been awake. Uh, I just leave for the night, they come, they get it, change all my sheets and everything, disinfect everything, it's really, I don't know, I'm really weird when it comes to shit like that, so, you don't know where that bat landed or whatnot, so, I haven't seen it here lately, but I'm sure it's still around somewhere. Who knows? And with fall time coming, winter time coming, hibernation seasons coming up, they're going to be wanting to roost. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, but I don't really see myself staying here. So I also don't really want to, like I said before, I don't want to sign another year lease somewhere else if I'm going to be moving into van life. And I'll be ready to start that before summer. So, I don't know how that's going to go. But, I don't want to stay somewhere until next October. I have to be stuck paying rent. Maybe I can go and look at a place and maybe ask them if I can just do a six-month lease instead of a year, but most people, most places want you to do a whole year lease. Um, I, I, maybe if you explain your situation to them, they might be a little bit more sympathetic, but chances are they're not going to give a fuck. They want their money, period. So, I don't know. It's going to be quite a uh, journey on this crazy little road. But I'm prepared. I'm prepared to take it to the next level. So, got to do what I got to do. Anywho, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be awake, <laughs> or how much longer I'm going to be up doing these uh, podcasts. Probably not that much longer, but I'm only 30 minutes in on this podcast. I'm feeling kind of tired. I'm pretty tired. It's been a long day at work. It's kind of the way the cookie crumbles. I work five days a week, but I get one day off, then I gotta go back to work, then I get another day off, then I gotta go back to work again and work a whole week. So I never really get two whole days off. I really wish I could get. Friday and Saturday off for a change. 
maybe whenever I move out of state I can finally do that but really uh, down to the nitty gritty right now because I don't have any money and I'm smoking tobacco out of a pipe. I've got old cigarette butts that are in the ashtray and I pretty much went across every cigarette butt that I could find and there's no more cigarette butts to find any more tobacco so I'm scrounging up whatever I can. Payday is tomorrow, well today, whatever, but after I pay rent I'm only going to have like 30 to 40 bucks to my name, so I'm not going to be buying cigarettes with it, I think I'm going to end up quitting, and uh, I think this is going to be the perfect time to quit cigarettes. Uh, I've been meaning to do that for a while and now that I don't have the money and I, I really don't have the money because I'm going to be starting van life and all the money that I make really needs to go towards that instead of towards cigarettes so I'm still going to smoke my weed I'm still going to drink my beer but I'm cutting cigarettes out for good At the uh, beginning of the week, on Monday, for sure, there's no more cigarettes. No more. So, I might maybe have one or two if I'm at a bar or something and I'm drinking. But that's it. I'm not going to go buy a whole pack. After that night, I'm fucking done. You know? I know some people can't do that, they get addicted again, and they fucking get started again, but I'm not going to do that, so <clears throat> it's kind of going to be a luxury thing for me, uh, kind of like a here and there thing, maybe I'm drinking some shots of whiskey and I want to have a cigarette, I might keep a pack, you know, here at home, up in my cabinets above my stove or something, that way... I'm not smoking them when I'm at work all day. Uh, but I can come home and have one to relax every day. And slowly and surely, after just having one at the end of the day, I think I'll be able to quit. So I think I'm going to try it that way. I'm just going to slowly wean myself off of it. still going to smoke weed. Like I said, I can't go without smoking weed. Life is just so bland and boring and plain whenever you don't smoke weed. Everybody's annoying and the fucking world is just on 10. Everything just goes to shit whenever you're not high. So... Smoking weed is like the best thing that ever happened to me. It makes me more social. It makes me more focused. Uh, 
I work a lot better whenever I'm high. I actually smoke while I'm on the job numerous times throughout the day. I mean, when I wake up, while I'm at work, I smoke. When I get home, I smoke. Maybe right before bed, I smoke. You know, so it's numerous times throughout the day. And I went without smoking weed before numerous times. It's just fucking terrible. It's terrible. I don't know if it's my anxiety or whatnot or just my mindset, but I can't see myself ever going without smoking weed again. So, unless I have a really fucking good job. I'm talking about a job that pays like 60 or 80 grand a year, then I'll quit smoking weed. But, uh, or maybe if it was something for like 50 grand a year, for like a few years, and then I quit doing that and started smoking again, maybe I could do that, but it'd be tough. I definitely would be smoking in between. So, it's just, it just, you know, and with me getting into working out and shit again, that's one of the things that got me focused, got me motivated, it made me feel kind of, kind of gave me that edge, you know, where I felt kind of unstoppable, you know, like uh, when you take creatine, I don't know if anybody's ever taken creatine supplements before, but when you do, I mean, I don't know, with me, I felt like the Hulk. It really did my body good whenever I used creatine. It's the same thing with weed, in my opinion. Uh, if you misuse it with creatine and you don't work out enough, let's say, then you start gaining water weight, and which isn't necessarily bad to have more water because your muscles need water when you're building more more muscle so those fibers expand and contract and they need muscle or they need water in between those muscle fibers to to help so stay hydrated and whatnot and anyways uh, it's just it's the same thing with weed I can't, you know, I can't tell you how much more uh, energy it gives you. It really makes you sit there and focus. And even if you let it wear off, like if you smoked weed and let's say you waited like an hour, hour and a half, and then you went and worked out. You'd already be kind of off of your high, but it would you'd still feel that that focus and you'd get a little burst of energy to go with it. Especially if you're smoking sativa instead of indica. I like to smoke a little bit of sativa before I go and work out. And then whenever I get done, 
with my workout after I get home, get a shower, eat. Then I smoke indica strains because indica is the one that relaxes you, puts you in a couch lock, and uh, really makes you feel good. So I usually buy a lot of indica strains just for that reason. But like I said, once I get in to start growing this shit, which is hopefully here soon, I want to start out really small to try it. And hopefully I won't have to buy anything from the dispensary anymore. I have such good weed that it's better than what the dispensary can give you. And I want to do it on a really small scale. Because if I'm going to be getting into van life, I need to find a way to do that. And have it in the van. Instead of having... Uh, a big ass grow tent or whatever where it's not going to fit so I've heard you can start with uh, you can do red dwarfs which is a strain that uh, I don't know it, it grows like maybe a foot foot and a half before it starts budding really good maybe a little less it's really short and it buds really good it's an auto flower and after three months you got really good buds and it's really good weed so we're gonna see we're gonna try it there's some seeds that I've been getting from this guy it's got strawberry cough uh, But I think that maybe it might be a hermaphrodite because many times when you get some weed and it's got seeds in it, and it's got a lot of seeds in it, then it's a hermaphrodite. Uh, it's going to be hard to plant anything and get anything out of it. But usually when you get some bud and it's got just a few seeds here and there, some of them are brown you don't want any white seeds but you want some seeds you don't want a lot of seeds and usually they're already feminized those seeds are already feminized seeds so I've been learning a lot of shit from just today <laughs> He's actually told me about a website that I can go to um, to learn about the shit. And he's gave me two websites to buy seeds from. And told me to buy all my gross shit from Amazon. Long story short. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm going to start it tomorrow, but it is a hobby that I've been wanting to get into and maybe I'm going to start this with van life or maybe I'm going to wait until I get another apartment and start it there maybe I'm not going to get another apartment I don't know I'm just so confused right now I'm like going 10 different ways got a lot of shit going on in my life 
That's why I sit here and make these podcasts. To try and vent when I got a lot of shit going on in my life. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, I deal with uh, PTSD from when my father tried to uh, kill me at my sister's wedding on a deserted lake road. Long story short, I was drunk, he was drunk, he tried to strangle me out and swept my legs from underneath of me and I broke my collarbone and ended up with gravel in the back of my head. And uh, still to this day, he denies it and hasn't apologized and we don't talk to each other. And I still have to deal with those nightmares every night with me blacking out and coming to and uh, thinking about me trying to be strangled to death and uh, some nights whenever I because I'm sure I do have sleep apnea and some nights when I can't breathe because my sleep apnea that's the dream that I'll have I'll wake up I'll gasp for air and I know a part of it is my sleep apnea but I know a part of it is a mental thing from having the PTSD also I'm self-diagnosed as having uh, a mild form of Asperger's, which is a social disorder where it's really hard to look people in the eye, it's really hard to make friends, really hard to have a relationship, or to communicate. Uh, Even if you're good at reading body language and shit like I am, it's really hard for you yourself to make body language or you know, to make that move, to get somebody to be your girlfriend. You're really kind of scared, kind of laid back, kind of out of the way. You're more like an introvert, I guess. You don't want to be around anybody. Even though you really do, you just can't really relate to anybody. So that's a mixture of having Asperger's and it's a mixture of me also being an introvert and I do enjoy my solitude. I enjoy being alone. I I enjoy being a bachelor and my place is a mess. Who gives a fuck? I don't have anybody that I have to answer to. My girlfriend's not walking around bitching of this or bitching of that. Yeah, it's pretty nice being single, but at the same time, it can be a curse to be somebody like me that's an introvert and also have Asperger's. It's very, very hard for me to eat in front of people because I just, every time I take a bite, I feel like they're staring at me, they're looking at me, they're judging me. They're looking at every bite that I take. I think that was because whenever I was hungry, I was starving, I had a lot of food insecurities. So I I used to eat fast, and I used to eat a lot, and I used to shove my face, you know, and I 
think that's why I don't like people looking at me while I eat. Um, maybe. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what caused that, but it could be the Asperger's or it could be just a food insecurity from whenever I was younger. You know, growing up, my father, uh, I'd visit him every two weeks for the weekend for a couple days or a few days, and then I'd go home. And when I was over there, he used to tell us that we had to eat everything on our plate. We didn't, we weren't supposed to waste anything. Whatever you get, you better eat it. And if you're hungry, you better go up there and get seconds. So, don't don't uh, just eat and not get seconds and then say that you're hunger, hungry later, pretty much. And um, there was one time whenever my sister, we went to uh, the grocery store and she bitched and whined that she wanted one of these sub sandwiches right and my dad was like if you get this you're gonna fucking eat it you're gonna eat it all and she was probably like we were probably like 10 she's probably 9 and you know a 9 year old eating a whole fucking sub sandwich to themselves late at night before they're gonna go to bed is almost impossible you know of course they're going to eat like half and be full. It's only a nine-year-old, you know. Well, she tried throwing half of it in the garbage and he found it. Well, it wasn't in the garbage, but it was in a box that was next to the garbage. And he found it. And he said, get that out of that fucking box and finish it. And she's like, I don't want it. And he's like, you're going to fucking eat it. And he made her eat. The rest of that sub sandwich. It was, it was, you know, it was gruesome. She was stuffed to the gills. A nine-year-old kid that had to, man. He's, he was a dick. He was an asshole. My father was a fucking, he was an asshole. And my uh, half-sister is only nine months younger than me when... When I was younger, I didn't know, but I put two and two together when I grew up, and I said, well, you're fucking around with my mom right whenever I was born. You know, my half-sister is nine months younger than me, so actually you were fucking around with my mom right before I was born, too, so... Anyways, me and him don't speak anymore, uh... But there's one last thing that I would like to say to him before he does kick the bucket, before I move out of state or to the other side of the country and I never see him again. And I want to tell him that the best thing that he ever did with his life was he had me. That's it. You know, he, he you know, grew up in uh, a family that wasn't rich. Uh, my grandfather worked for like CWLP. 
and whatnot. My father couldn't find a job growing up for the longest time, right? Anyways, my grandfather would always hound him and shit, and my father never really amounted to anything compared to my uncles. And, um, he would work mediocre jobs, security jobs, you know, like being a bouncer at whatever club, uh, working little pissy-ass security jobs and shit, you know. And he would work three jobs because he had over three kids. He had so much child support that he, he worked three jobs. And he never had a career. He never went back to school. He, he never did anything with his life. He doesn't have a retirement. Um, and now he's in such shitty health he's got nerve damage he's got his back broken two different places not that far back from some guy that robbed him uh plus he's just fucking getting old and like i don't know like looking at my father was a prime example of what not to do don't get to where he's at and be like him and there were certain times where he even told me, I never want you to go down the same roads that I went down and end up like me. But the way that he went about it was just wrong. Just wrong. He could have done it a whole lot better. You know, he used to say there's no handbook that comes with parenting. But man, you fucking did it all wrong by the book. I mean, there is a certain book. Oh, don't be a fucking moron, but, you know, I mean, it's just called common sense, and if I had kids, I wouldn't ever treat them half as bad as what he did to us. We used to get smacked, we used to get spanked with a uh, metal fireplace scooper, you know, the ones you used to scoop the coals out with out of your fireplace, they were made out of iron or metal, maybe really thin steel, and they had a really short handle, kept them in your little caddy right there by the front fireplace, so it had a really short handle on it, that motherfucker hurt, and I used to call it smoky, little smoky, and uh, it was either the fireplace shovel or the belt. He used to like getting the belt. Or he could get a hold of a wiffle ball bat or whatever. But my dad was a piece of shit. And it made me to be who I am today to never treat my kids or anybody's kids like that. And to never be like him. No matter what. So, some of the things, some of the worst things that will happen to you in your life are some of the best things that will happen to you. Everything happens for a reason, and I feel like with me and my father, even though I know that I'll never be able to have a relationship with him again, at least he gave me life. He brought me into this life. That was the best thing that he ever did, and at least... Um, 
I didn't die that night when he tried to kill me and I didn't end up stabbing him to death or doing something crazy either. So, anywho, that's kind of for another story. Get kind of in depth on that another time, but getting to the 57 minute mark here on this podcast. So, time kind of flew by when I got talking about shit. And, uh, it's about 10 minutes till 3 in the morning. So, I'm gonna have to go ahead and end this live video. Well, podcast. Sorry. So used to saying live video for some reason. I used to make a lot of live videos, but hopefully soon I can make more live videos. Maybe I can make just as many live videos as I've been making podcasts lately. I don't know. But I need some time for myself as well been spending a lot of time making these podcasts like two three hours at a time on some nights and uh, don't have any time for myself so I still got to go eat something and get a shower and uh, relax and watch videos and world news events for example smoke a little bit more weed. I got plenty of things to still do and it's already 3 in the morning. So, I'm going to be up until the sun comes up. And then I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to have to wake up. Do a whole bunch of different shit. Like errands and doing laundry and going over to my mother's house and doing some other shit. And It's just, it's going to be fun. So, I'm going to end up making another podcast tomorrow night, or tonight, whatever, later on. Uh, but until then, see Jizzle and the fucking Wizzle, and I'm signing out. It's been real, it's been fun, but it hasn't been real fun. Deuces. <laughs>